uh, happy Mother's Day. All right, so mothers in the room, stand up, please. We want to acknowledge you above all things. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you so, so much for what you are and being everything that a man is not, all right? We, God has created us to not be the same. We are not created equal. We have to, we're designed and wired differently. We have great and beautiful roles. So mothers, you are uniquely gifted by God, and we are thankful for what you do. And, and uh, man, I hope you have very special, special days. But being a mom is, is tough, I've heard, right, I've never experienced that, so I've heard it's really, really hard. A lot of great uh, theologians and great smart people have talked about what the role of a mother means. And I want to read some to you this morning uh, to help us kind of get our mind and just celebrate moms, all right? Here's a couple. Silence is precious. Unless you're a mom and then it's just suspicious. (laughs) One mom said this. All these moms on Pinterest and Facebook making their own oils and soaps and reindeer treats. And I'm like, well, today I took a shower and kept from kids from bleeding out. <laughs> moms are multitaskers. They can go to Walmart, carry a screaming toddler, two gallons of milk, write a check, text on her cell phone, and still backhand her child for looking at her crazy. <laughs> they can do a lot. Another mom said this, why do they insist on dinner every night? (laughs) And of course, probably the most famous one of all time that we should know in the room. If mama's not happy, then leave the house immediately. (laughs) I don't know what you guys were talking about. I'm jetting, right? I'm out of there. Uh, No, moms, we we salute you today. Uh, We love you for who you are and what you do and the important role in the spiritual development of your children. And um, we celebrate that today. Uh, The number one person in your life, right? If you're a single guy, a single person, you, you, uh, the the mom is the most important. If you're married, it's probably the second most important uh, woman in your life. At least it better be the second. If you are, if you're still rocking the mom's number one t-shirt as a married guy, you need to grow a hair on your chest probably and get away. Uh, she's now number two, not one, so let's get that order uh, right. So uh, let's, uh, we just kind of jump in. Let's jump in where we've been as a church. Uh, we just finished up Romans 9, and it was heavy, it was thick. Uh, continue to uh, rest in it and digest it and process it. We're going to take a pause from the book of Romans. We're going to jump in a s- summer series studying Exodus. We'll start that next week. All right, uh, so continue to chew on all that Roman stuff that we talked about. Uh, but we will start Exodus. We'll get back into that book. Remember, we went through, I think, the first five chapters last summer. So we'll do that today. Um, and, and today is a, a tweener, kind of, so to speak, where we take a, something that's really speaking to the pulse of our church uh, as, a, as a gap between before we get back into Exodus next week. And here's what we're going to do today um, in the time. We're going to answer, we're going to look at the question that really has, has baffled uh, the entire world, the human history, not really baffled, but the question that we all inherently are born with in every culture, every creed, every nation across the world when we're born, what is the meaning of life? 
What is the purpose of life? We're going to answer that age-old question today. And I think it's appropriate not only for um, the parents who just came in and are dedicating their child. Okay, now you have a life of a child. What is the meaning of life for that child? What is the purpose that this child has been given to me? And we'll answer that question today in Isaiah 43. Uh, as, as mothers, we have a lot of roles. We wear a lot of different hats. Uh, as parents, we come together. But what is the meaning of life? What is the ultimate role of a mother, of a parent? Um, and I believe this is also relevant for, for all people in this room today. I believe that we've all sometime at one point in our life wrestled with what is the meaning of life. Because if you want to know uh, how to get the most out of something, you have to know what its, what its purpose is, right? That's what we're looking at today in life. If you want to get the most out of this life on the earth... The maximum satisfaction, the maximum happiness, the maximum joy, you must know what the purpose is. You must know what the meaning of this life is. So I believe this message is going to be pertinent, and we will look at Isaiah 43 because it's going to give us the answer to this question today. It's a great question, but we have to know who to ask to get the right answer. All right, we can't, that's a, that's a mysterious question on the front end, but we have to make sure that we're not going to Google it, right, or go to ask our hot yoga instructor or a life coach uh, what the meaning of life is. We have to go to the one who created life to begin with, and we will do that today. And I'm so thankful that God does not leave that as a mystery to us. He declares it all throughout the scriptures, what is the meaning of life. But it's also important to not only ask the right person, uh, we have to ask the right question, all right? Because here's where we kind of get off a little bit on our own. We ask the wrong question and we say, what is God's will for my life, right? What is God's purpose for my life, if we're going to even make it extra spiritual? And that is the wrong question because it's, it, the focus of that question is you, and you are not the focus of the, the entire question. It's not about you. The hardest thing that you will ever do in this life is get over yourself. All right? Breakups are hard. Teenagers, it's coming. If it hadn't already, adults, you know what I'm talking about. Breakups are hard, but the hardest breakup you'll ever have is getting over you. All right? And, and the whole point of the Bible is the story of God. And we have this inward ability to try to make even God about us. Like he must be for me ultimately. So then we start to struggle in our theology and we say, why is God doing this to me? Why is God taking me through this? Or we struggle in Romans with uh, our salvation because we want to be the author of salvation. We think we are the point and that God is in this begging and pleading position and just say, would you just pick me? Would you just think I'm so cool that you will pick me, uh, and, then I, and then you are the focus of my affections, right? Uh, we've got to begin with God in all things, and that's what we're going to do today. We have to go back to the beginning and see what the meaning of life is, because God is the creator of life. So the right question is not, what is God's purpose for my life? Not, as, not what God's will is for my life, it's just what is God's will, period? What is God's purpose, period? Because if we can get that, 
If we can find out what that is, and then if I could take my life and plug into that, then my life is going to be superiorly satisfied because I'm pursuing God. If I don't, I'm going to chase uh, this, this world that we live in for my satisfaction. It will always leave us thirsty. We will never, ever find it. Because we were created for one thing, and it's God's glory. So we have to get plugged into God's purpose, God's meaning, God's uh, plan for the, for the world, and then we dial into that, and then we can live underneath that, that banner that he's going to fly. So let's look at this today. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to start in Isaiah 43, 5 through 7. Um, and here's kind of the mindset going in here. Without knowing the answer to this, we will spend our lives chasing satisfaction, as I said. We will succeed in things in this life that do not matter. All right? I think Francis Chan said this, that the biggest fear in our life should not be the fear of failure. It should be succeeding at things in life that do not matter. That should be the biggest fear for Christians. Oh, God, that I would succeed at things in this life that do not matter matter, right? C.T. Studd uh, was only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last, all right? That's what we're going to look at today um, about this precious thing of life, and we will declare our bottom line is don't waste your life, all right? Every drop, every ounce of who we are is for God's glory and nothing else. So we, we want to encourage you to not waste this precious gift of life today. So let's pray before we get into the text. God, we, we uh, are born into this world with a, a, a question, a mystery that is in our lives, and we want to know why do we exist? What is my purpose? Is it this job? Is it that career? Is it to have this wife, to have this husband, to have these children? Uh, God, what is, where should I live? Where should I uh, live out my life? All of these questions, and we have this mystery that clouds us. What is the purpose of my life? God, straighten us out today. Let us examine ourselves rightly before you today and declare not what it is for us, but God, what is your will? What is your will? You gave us life. What do you want us to do with it? We submit and surrender to that, Father, and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so let's get in. Isaiah 43, 5 through 7. He, this is clearly going to tell us the reason why we were created, everyone in the room. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring, you, bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up. And to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Everyone created for his glory. People think this is a mysterious question. It's hard to know, and it's really not hard to know. The answer has just been given to us by Isaiah. The reason you have life today. The reason you're sitting in your seats right now going <sighs> heartbeat, heartbeat, heartbeat. The reason that you are breathing, existing today is for the glory of God. He knit you 
together. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. And he says, this creation, this created thing will be for my glory. The purpose of that thing, that creature that I formed and knew will be and is intended for my glory. Not for their glory, not for their purpose, not for their career, not for their money, not for their children, not for their spouse, not for their joy, not for their happiness, but for his glory and his glory alone. A good perspective of how we can look at God's glory as we are to magnify God's glory in the earth. That's what we are to do as little glory image bearers of God is to make him look amazing. We can look at the illustration, the difference between a microscope and a telescope. All right, A microscope takes something very small and it, it magnifies it. And it puts it under the microscope and then it looks bigger when it was so small to begin with. That is not the glory of God. That's not what we're called to do with the glory of God. Let's think telescope. Where you take something that is so far away and it is so inconceivably big, so large that you cannot see it from a distance. So you zoom in on it and it becomes so large. That is what we are to do with God and his glory. It's so big. It's not small. Like He doesn't need us to project his glory, but that is what our created sense is. That's what we were birthed into the world to do was to magnify God, that people would look upon you and look upon me, and you would do this. You would image God. That's what image bearers do. If an image bearer does not image anything, it, it is not having purpose. There is no existence. You are created to image God. That everything that you do in this world, that people would look upon you and they would see God in you. You would be the reflector of God Image God everywhere you go. And this is the reason for your existence as a human on the earth. All right? I'm going to show you where this started. Uh, this, is a, this is a rooted thing. It started back in Genesis. Genesis 1.28. This is called the creation uh, mandate. Back when God created Adam and Eve, creation mandate and said, here's your charge. Here's what you are to go do, Adam and Eve. This is pre-fall. And he created him and he said, here, go do this, creation mandate. Let's look at this. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now this passage is very much misquoted or misunderstood by so many people, all right? Me and my wife uh, had three kids before the Lord called us. And I was, that text right there, be fruitful and multiply, I got that text. I promise you I did. I figured it out. Wasn't no problem with that interpretation of the text. And that was part of it, a physical reproduction uh, of the earth. So I got that part. But here's the problem. That was only half of the text. God is saying here, not just physically reproduce people. He says he wants you to spiritually reproduce the glory and fill and populate the earth with his glory. That is what he was telling us in this thing. He wanted every person to magnify God, create more babies, more humans, and populate the whole earth with his glory. It was not just this gift of two parents. 
hey, I'm just going to give you these gifts, and you can have these babies, and you all just love each other. It's really awesome. He gave us the gift of life to our children to make much of him, to populate the entire earth with little glory image bearers of God. All right? Now, the Muslim population is growing rapidly. Let me tell you why. Because they're making babies faster than Christians. It's just a reality, all right? And their, their population is growing. So Christians, go have babies, right? I mean, just go do that and populate the earth. But understand this, it's not just for physical reproductions. It's not just a gift. So you would enjoy those gifts, those babies are for the glory of God. Parents, the ones that just had those little things, those little precious life givers are to make much of God in the world, not make much of you. Not so your, your people would look at your kids and say, he's so precious. You are so good. You made beautiful babies. Or that they would grow up in such a way that they would have all of these gifts and talents and, and, and wonderful things. And that people would look at them and say, they're awesome. No. They're so people would look upon them and say, God is awesome. The way that you're raising up your kids to magnify the glory of God is the reason why you are holding the precious ones in your hands. For that and that only. So let me... Tap in, parents, because these are not the only parents in the room. You have been given your children. They are gifts. And now that you know the purpose of why they were given to you, they were not for your joy, not for your happiness, ultimately. They were for the glory of God. How are you parenting your child right now? Do you take your children, the gift that God gave, and blaspheme his name and take credit for what you've done? You take your child and say, what can this child do for me to make me famous, to make me look good? Maybe it's through sports, their grades, hobbies, whatever they do, so that people would look at your kid and say, they're really special. They're really good. They're better than all the other kids. You want to see how dysfunctional that can be is just watch a glimpse of dance moms. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you see the destruction that that causes. Do you do that? Are your kids to magnify God or magnify you? That's a, that's a heart check. That's a heart check, right? Let's look at our social media for a second. Are we projecting the glory of God with our children and we projecting the glory of our children because of how beautiful they are. Or you think that your child is going to be the next thing and you're teaching your child to run at hard after the glory of themselves. You will be the next thing. You will be the next pop star. You will be the next law. You will be the next doctor. You will be the next Titans player even though they could probably use them? <laughs> but do you spend your parenting, your influence, as the primary influences of your children? You spend them teaching them how to make much of themselves in the world. You pursue your dreams. You can do anything that you want to do. If you are, you are chasing and you're teaching your child to chase hard after the glory of themselves and not after the glory of God. And you just need to repent. I mean, it's just straight up. 
Repent and say, what in my life is not for the glory of God? Students, if you're in the room, why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? You knocking out them grades to get on the honor roll so you can make much of you? Do you try to earn your roster spot on an athletic team, a cheer team, or a band, or whatever? Are you knocking all that out so you can make much of you, or is it to make much of God? You want to get that job? You want to get that car, that relationship? I've got to get this, 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 all for your own glory, or is it really for the glory of God? I mean, let's Let's just, this is going to be a heart check today. Practical, what do I do with this? What part of my life is not for the glory of God? What am I chasing? What am I pursuing? And you can't do it. You can't say, well, I'm whispering the glory of God. God, this is really for you. I know I'm out there. I know I'm everywhere. And I know it, I want it all to be about me. But God, this is really for you. No. <laughs> if it is, you better proclaim it to the world. Make it public. Let everyone know that you do what you do for the glory of God. That is the meaning of life. That is God's purpose for life, for his glory. Let's keep going. I want you to look at a text. Matthew 5, 16 says this. This is not going to be on the screen. Matthew 5, 16 tells us to let our light shine before others so that may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Why do people look at you? When they look at you, what do they say? You're a pretty good person. You're a good moral person. You're doing a really good job. You're a lot more disciplined than I am. You go to church, that's great for you. Or do they look at you and say, man, you must have an incredible heavenly Father. I don't know him. I want to know him. And you might have to proclaim that with your lips. Right? Jesus died a public death so you could live a public life out there in front of everybody to be the Jesus freak on Facebook. Be the Jesus freak on Facebook. Let people know who died for you and whose glory you live for. Do not be ashamed of your Savior. Let people know why your light shines. We may not stand silent upon that. Look at Colossians 1.16 with me. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. This is why we give him all of those things. So many people waste their life trying to be the best dad, the best mom, the best career, earn money. Right, Raising their kids and all these things. I want to be the best pastor, the best dad. I want to make a lot of money. There's nothing wrong with those things in themselves. You do need to do those things. But when they become your primary focus, you are chasing the wind. And you will never, ever, ever get it. You are chasing a satisfaction you will never attain. Because it, you, are, you are kicking against the creation of why you were even born into the world, which is for the glory of God. And you can only be satisfied if you're pursuing God's glory on this earth. That's why we do this. 
chief end of our existence, all the money God gave you, is for him to make much of him. What would he do with the money that he gave, gave us? What would we do with that? Some of you today, I'm going to ask you that question. What do you do with the money God gives you? Or do you even acknowledge the fact that he gave it to you? If you, you're, you're stumbling over that one, rewind and go back. You didn't earn it. You didn't get it. He gave it to you. If you're a Christian, that's what you believe. What are you doing with what he gave you? Are you taking that and are you using it for the glory of God? Or are you holding on to it and said, I can't pay my bills if I give it. I, I, can't, I can't afford to give anything right now. Praise God that he didn't withhold from us with his son. It is for his glory. The money he gave you is not to increase your standard of living. It's to increase the standard of giving. That's why he gave you more. So you would give more. So that he would get more glory. Your service to the kingdom. God gave you gifts. He wired you in unique ways to give you gifts to serve the kingdom a.k.a. serve the local church, what are you doing with those gifts? You sitting on them? If you are, you're using it for your own glory. Are you taking the gifts that he gave you and are you using it for the glory of God? I pray that you are. I pray that you take the time in your schedule, in your day. Where is my time not pursuing the glory of God? I do this all day long, but it's really just a means to an end. But it's not for the glory of God. Everything you do is for the glory of God. So this bears the question. We've answered the question of what is the meaning of life? God's glory. That's it. But how much, how much do I got to give? That's the next question. How much do I have to give to give God glory? I mean, can I, can I give moderation? Can I, can I have a moderation life where I do this? And I do this, and then I come to church on Sunday, I come to church on Wednesday, and I do a little of this. Isn't that enough? Can I, what, how much glory do I have to give God? I mean, really? Can I just portion it out and give him a little bit of my life? And this is where the nominal Christian speaks loud. How much do I have to give? That's the question. That's the wrong question. It's how much do I have to keep is what we should be asking. And there's a rich young ruler who came to Jesus Christ and said this, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He wanted the kingdom. Jesus responded by telling him, go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. Why did Jesus tell him to do that? It was not because it was required for salvation to give 100% of everything that he had to give it so he could be saved. Jesus knew his heart and that man would give anything except his money. He said, you'll give everything except your money, so I'm going to ask for your money. What today would Jesus ask you to give up that you are holding on to like the rich ruler with the money? What would, you, what would he ask you to give up? What in your life that you are pursuing that is a treasure to you, that you treasure more than Christ, if he said, would you give this up for me? What would it be? If it's anything, we got to do a heart check. We should be willing to give up anything for our Savior. Thank God he doesn't ask us to do that. Like families, the blessings that we have. 
But what is it? If he asked you today, what would you give up? Would you be willing to give it up? If it's anything that you're pursuing that is not for the glory of God, you're going to have a struggle with that. How much you got to give up? How much now do I have to give up in my life to not be the nominal Christian who gives a portion of my life to Jesus? I don't want to be that person. I want to go all in or I'm not going in at all. That's the desire of, of God. And he answers this question, a very familiar text, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. All. That's what you've got to give. You've got to give all. Everything that you do for the glory of God. Every detail in your life. Eating, drinking, sex, marriage, job. Hobby, sport, pursuit, everything that you do from the moment that you breathe in the morning to the moment you lay your head on the, on the pillow, everything for the glory of God. All of it. Jesus paid it all. He wasn't half dead. He gave all of his life so you would, in turn, give all of it back to him. Now listen, I know that everyone in this room right now, including me, does not Pursue and, and, and accomplish 100% God's glory 100% of the time. No one does that except for Jesus Christ. He's the only one that ever did it. But here's where we stumble. People take that, the nominal Christian takes that and says, well, I ain't perfect. I'm going to stumble. I don't have to give that up. That's just a struggle. I ain't perfect. God's grace is sufficient. Listen, if there's anything in your life that you are that has captivated you, a season of your life, or something that's gripped you. It's a pattern of your life, whether it be a job, a relationship, sex, money, whatever that is that you actually are gripping and holding on to, not just stumbling, not like you're driving down the road and somebody cut you off and you said something and you fell short of the glory of God. That's, that's a slip-up. But if you have something in your life that has gripped you, that you pursue every day, and it is not for the glory of God, you must repent. You have to let go as a follower of Jesus and say, listen, I am not surrendering this to you. God, I freely give it over to you. Would you acknowledge that in my heart today? Would you reveal it? And then would I submit it to you? And I, I don't know what that is. You have to fill in the blank on that today. All things Here's a couple more, Deuteronomy 10, 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul. Mark 12, 30. And you shall love the Lord with God all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all of your strength. This is every domain of your life. Some Christians are still searching for superior satisfaction that we talk about from the stage on Sunday, that we talk about, we read about in our Bible. You're still searching for it because you're still only giving about 50-60% of your life to him. You think a little bit of Jesus is all good. A little bit of Sunday and I'm all good. And this is like the flu shot, which is when you get a little bit of the flu and it makes you immune to the whole flu, inoculation, and you want a shot of Jesus. A little shot of Jesus is all I want. 
And it does the same thing as the flu shot. It makes you immune to the whole Jesus. You will not find the Bible will not support you are portioning out Jesus. And he gets this. He gets my Sunday. He gets my Wednesday. He gets all this. He didn't get my money, though. He didn't get my service. I'm giving him my seat on Sunday. The Bible will not allow you to think that way as a follower of Jesus. Whole Jesus, all of Jesus is for the glory of God. Why do people not give all? I believe, I believe that they, they are shallow in their theology. They do not know God on a deep, deep level. So therefore, they're hesitant to give him more. They withhold things that they think that they got on their own power, their own will, and they will not let go. They will not let go and let God. It is because they do not fully acknowledge all that God is to them and all that God has done for them. And I believe that through a revelation of who he is, then you start to begin to let go of these things and your whole life becomes for the glory of God. Let me tell you how much he is for you. He always was, he always is, and he always will be. He's unmoved, he's unchanged, he's undefeated and never undone. He was bruised, he brought healing, he was pierced, but he eased pain. Persecuted, but brought freedom. He gave his life to give you life. Risen to bring you power, reigns to bring you peace. World can't understand him, armies cannot defeat him. Schools cannot explain him. Presidents cannot ignore him. Herod and Pilate couldn't kill him. Stone couldn't keep him in, and the scientists cannot explain him away. He's light, he's love, he's longevity, he's the Lord, he's goodness, he's kindness, he's faithfulness, he is God. When you're lonely, he is there. When you need a drink, a hit, he is the fix. When the storms come, he's holding the storm. When your marriage is broken, he makes it holy again. When you feel unloved, he loves you first. His ways are right, his word is eternal, unchanging, and his mind is on us. He's our savior, he's our healer, he's our guide. He is our comforter. He'll never leave you, never forsake you, never mislead you, never forget you. He will never cancel on you. When you fall, he lifts you up. When you fall, he'll forgive you. When you're weak, he's strong. When you're lost, he is your way. When you're blind, he is your sight. When you're afraid, he is your courage. When you stumble, he'll steady you. When you're hurt, he'll heal you. When you're broken, he'll mend you. When you're blind, he will lead you the way. When you're hungry, he'll feed you. When you face trials, he is with you. And when we face death, he will carry us home all the way to meet him. He is everything, everywhere, every time, in every way. He is our God. And that is why he is deserving of all the glory. No one else on this earth could ever do those things for you. And look at how much devotion we give to horizontal relationships. We give more devotion to our kids, our spouses, friendships, 
And they did none of those things for you. They cannot promise those things for you, and they will never deliver on those. And don't you dare project those kind of things upon someone who is on earth because they cannot fulfill it. God and God alone. And that's why he's worthy of all the glory in our life. God is the gift of heaven. So many people have a misguided perspective of that heaven is like the end all be all. That's where I want to go. Heaven is this gift and that is my aim. Listen, God is the gift of heaven, not heaven. Yes, you get heaven, right? You don't have to burn in hell and that is a good thing, all right? But listen, when you get there, you will have all of these amazing blessings, all of these things that you, you won't have tears, you won't have pain. Uh, men, you'll, have a, you'll get to trade in your one pack for a six pack. Uh, females, you don't have to wear makeup anymore. Everyone's perfect all the time, and those are amazing truths. But listen, when you're there, you are going to be so fixated on God because he is the gift of heaven. He is eternal life, not heaven. All right, I'm going to read a passage to you in John 17, 3. Let me tell you what this is. John 17, 3 says this, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. He is the gift of heaven. Now, when we understand this, then, then we plug into this idea that on earth right now, that we have been given the gift of eternal life already, that God is the focal point of our life, his glory, his purpose. Some of you today, you need to just simply submit to Jesus. You haven't done that yet. We're going to wrap, kind of wrap this up. You're here today because of a lot of reasons. You're, maybe you got some friends here. You just come to check it out. They've been bugging you, wearing you out about it. I believe that if you are not, actually, I, I, the Bible says this, that if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, here's what you are doing. You are chasing the wind by pursuing your satisfaction in this world through all of the things in the world. Car. The American dream. I gotta have the house. I gotta have the car. I gotta have the kids. I gotta have a wife. I gotta have a husband. I gotta have all these things. I gotta have a job. I gotta have a promotion. I gotta have a career. I gotta make money. And you chase the wind every single day. And here's the amazing truth if you're in the room and you're not a believer in Christ, you'll agree with me. It never has lasting satisfaction. You get glimpses of it. Oh, my life is awesome right now. Well, let something happen to you, and I guarantee it's not awesome anymore. You've lost your satisfaction because you put it in other things that you would not intend to carry that burden. Only God satisfies. He created life. And he says, this is why you were created. And if you try to do anything outside of this creation, you will always, always be unsatisfied. And here's a prayer for you. Listen to this. I pray you would never, ever be satisfied in anything else but God and God alone. I, that's my prayer for you. I don't know how you can receive that. You might be like, oh my God, I guy's praying that I wouldn't be satisfied. Absolutely. If it's apart from God, I pray you never ever think that you find satisfaction in anything else because it will leave you disappointed. It will leave you thirsty and it will leave you wandering and it will lead you to a destination you do not want. 
And if you're a follower of Christ, listen, I want you to do some heart check stuff here in a minute during this response time. Listen, some of you, you do a lot for the glory of God. And I'm thankful that we are a church that does a lot for the glory of God. God says we're supposed to do all things for the glory of God. That don't mean I'm going to be perfect today. That does not mean you're going to be perfect today. But what in your life are you consistently chasing that is not for the glory of God? That you can evaluate and examine yourself rightly today and say, I do this, but I either give God no glory at all or I'm stealing it away from him on purpose and I know it. Do some work where you sit today. And I pray that God takes this today and just moves people, right? We're not in a theological aspect of where we've been in Romans, but today is a, man, what do I need to do? What is God saying to me in this text today? What is God saying? And then what am I going to do about it? I believe that we all fall short of the glory of God. I believe that I could sit down there with you in just a moment and evaluate my own life and say, listen, I'm not giving you glory. God, I repent, I confess, and I might join you in just a minute. I pray that you would do the same thing. The guys are going to lead us out of here. We're going to pray, and we will close out today. Let me, let me read this last thing. A guy named Soren Kierkegaard said this. He, says, Once we, he said, we should define life forward and live it backward. Define it forward and live it backwards, meaning let's start with the foundation that we are created for God's glory. And then whatever we do from that point forward is for the glory of God. Students, adults, whether you're trying to figure out the meaning of your life, where am I going to work at? What's my job? What's my future? Listen, that's starting, that's starting backward. Start with the foundation of God's glory, and then no matter where you do it at, do it for the glory of God. Now, that means you're working at McDonald's, flipping burgers, at Nissan, a teacher, a football player, a doctor, a lawyer, whatever it is that you do, you do not know the plans that the Lord has for you, but you do know this. Do it for the glory of God and do all of it for the glory of God. Let's pray. God, your ways are very mysterious to us sometimes. If we've, we've clearly looked at the book of Romans and understood there's mystery. God, not today, not in your text today, not in this verse today. There is no mystery behind it. The meaning of life is clearly revealed, and it is to make much of you, to image you, to populate the earth with your glory. Father, help us to examine our own selves rightly during this time. What would we need to submit? What do we need to surrender? What do we need to confess? What do we need to repent of that is not for your glory? We love you. Father, we love you for this church that you make happen, that you make possible. How you're building your church with truth-seeking, loving people, an army of believers, and a hospital for the sick at this place. We do all of this for the glory of your name, in Jesus Christ, amen.